0: What's up, everybody? I'm DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And this is the Casey Crew. Now, this is our second episode, the second podcast that we're putting out. And we appreciate the love on the first one. We got so many emails, so many uh, Instagram DMs, tweets, just a lot of love, man. Even walking around the city and traveling i've been seeing people and we appreciate all the love we absolutely positively do
1: we really do and i have to say it really makes me a lot more excited to do it so thank you
0: yeah people are saying we're actually helping them out and helping their relationships and i think that's a good thing that's a great thing
1: well i think that the most important thing is to just get a talk started because a lot of times people don't understand things until someone else says it or until right. someone else explains it their way but right. when your significant other tells you something you're like no 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 because it's most people's um, knee jerk reaction to be negative off, right. the, off the bat That's so mm-hmm. I think it's nice to have a conversation it just opens up dialogue and creates conversation in people's bedrooms so
0: right now in the last episode I guess episode or last podcast uh, we ended off by talking about a situation that happened when we when we were younger, and the reason why, even though I hate talking about this situation, it, it burns my soul. It it really hurts my stomach, is that a lot of people I see in the news all the time, or I read in the paper a lot, that people have insecurity issues, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because of weight. Maybe because uh, they're not happy with the way that they look. Mm -hmm. Maybe because they got into an accident or there was a problem situation. Maybe a
1: disfigurement. Maybe a disfigurement
0: or something like that. And people are always, they take that personal. Like they can't, sometimes people feel like they can't live with themselves or uh, whatever that problem is, they have to fix. Right. Whether it's through plastic surgery, whether it's through uh, whatever it may be. Uh, And there was an incident that happened when we were together. We were... um, I believe you were sixteen.
1: I was fifteen. You, you were, were sixteen. You
0: was fifteen. I was sixteen. It was
1: actually um, about two months after we started going out.
0: Two months after we started dating, and you got into an incident where your face was cut
1: mm-hmm. twice. Um, in one instance, but in a razor, face, with a razor blade, yes, right? My face was
0: cut twice with a razor blade. How many stitches did you get?
1: Um, I think the first. The larger of the two scars was just under 40, so about maybe 38. And then the smaller one was about maybe 13 or 14.
0: Wow. So you got, what, close to over 50 stitches in your face?
1: Something like that. Mm -hmm.
0: 50 stitches. And
1: And then the cut, um, the slash on my leg. And then
0: you had one on your leg. And the one on your leg, you got how many stitches? About 50. About 50 stitches. Mm -hmm. Now, this was pure jealousy. I'm going to let you explain in a second. But the reason I wanted to tell this story is because even though that your face, and you were before you met me. You were a model. You you, you did the modeling thing. You did the pageant thing. <laughs> you did a, did a whole bunch of things. And even though your face was cut and and you got so many stitches and you had this scar on your face, it never affected who you were.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I admired that about you <laughs> because if if I got I appreciate that. those cuts on my face, I don't know what I would do. You know, I I, I you know not to say I love my face, but I love my <laughs> face. I I I, I, I really. Don't know what I would do with 50 stitches in, you know, cutting up my face and how that would make me feel. I don't think I could be as secure in myself as that, you know, like the way that I walk around and the way that I look and the way that I feel is all a swag because of it's a confidence. Mm -hmm. I have confidence in myself, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if my confidence would have been the same. I don't know if I would have been the same individual. And there are a lot of females, a lot of girls, a lot of kids out there that, that are having problems with confidence based on. These problems, whether it's a cut, whether it's their weight, whether it's uh, they don't like the way that their nose looks or, you know, whatever it may be. And you have never been that way.
1: Well, I think that what and I'm going to speak on females um, more so than males, because it affects females more than it does males. I think that most girls have a hard time living up to what they see as the perfect the perfect idea of beauty mm-hmm. especially with social media right now um everybody's put on front street and right. plastic surgery is such a big thing right now and when we were younger it wasn't if someone got a nose job it was a big deal right someone got their boobs done it was a big deal now it's the norm now it's like oh Tax returns came in. Guess what I'm about to go do. Yeah. And th- listen, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have an opinion about it.
0: Um, but I, let me just put this out there not to cut you off. Gia has never gotten any type of plastic surgery. Uh, surgery. She's never got liposuction. She's never got an ass. She's never got boobs. She's never got a nose, lips. It, it's crazy because people ask me, but I'm like, nah, her body just bounces back. I'm like, it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. I say. And I tell people, I'm like, uh, you know, it pisses me off. Not that you're asking me that her body bounces back like that. Because <laughs> when she's pregnant, I gain weight. And then when she's finished being pregnant, she loses the weight and I still got the weight on. It's not funny. But, uh-huh. but if you can, can you please tell people, now I'm going to step away from the mic because I don't want the world to hear me soften up and act like a little bitch because I will start to cry when I hear this story. Mm. Can you um, tell them what happened, that whole incident of how jealousy played a part in your life and, and how it could have went either way as far as your security is concerned.
1: Um, well, growing up, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood and I went to a predominantly white school.
0: Grew up in Queens, Rosedale.
1: Well, no, actually I grew up in Brooklyn Brooklyn. and then I moved to Queens, you know, maybe a year before I met you. Right. Um, But I always had what a lot of people know as, you know, the light skin girl issues, you know. Um, I don't know. It was just always, it was always... Like a looming thing in my life, it's it's funny how being a certain complexion can really just attach to your persona as though it has anything to do with anything. But that was my experience, and I grew up getting into a lot of um, fights because of it, whether it be a verbal altercation or a physical altercation. I've gotten into these confrontations mainly over my complexion because that, was, that would have always been the first thing that some, somebody would have said to me. Oh, right. light-skinned this or piss-colored that or, you know, I was called a range of different names. But how it all came to a head was um, we started going out in September and Rashawn would bring me home from school every single day. Um, we met in high school and, you know, we were dating and every day after school he would drive me home Mm -hmm. and one day came and it was the day before Thanksgiving and he arranged for one of his friends to bring me home because he had to fill in for a friend with whom he shared a a summer job with and that day. The rest of the school had a half day, but the person that he arranged to bring me home home had track practice. Right. And I didn't want to wait until 2.40, 3 o'clock, which would have been the normal dismissal time, which was when his track practice ended. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and take the bus with my friend. Um, hey, Dahlia. So... We took the bus, Mm -hmm. and there's a place in Queens called Jamaica Avenue. For those of you, you know that are spread out spread out around the country, Um, Jamaica Avenue is a major street in Queens. There's a lot of shopping that goes on. Mm -hmm. There's, um, it's kind of like a big hub where, regardless of where you're traveling from in Queens that bus line, train line, dollar van line, whatever, is going to have a stop or a connection to Jamaica Avenue. Right. So when you get there, you see all types of people. There's going to be school kids, working people, people in business suits, police officers, just, you know, housewives that are going there just to go shopping or to go get some food or whatever. There's all types of things going on on Jamaica Avenue. So... Mm -hmm. When my bus got to Jamaica Avenue, my friend and I got off and we decided that we were going to go and get something to eat at McDonald's, which was maybe a five block walk. We get there and as soon as we walked in, I put my book bag on the table and I was rummaging through my bag looking for my wallet. And there were a group of five girls that was sitting at a table in the corner. And I started hearing little grumblings and little murmurs and whatnot. And I just, I started to feel a bad vibe. Like sometimes when you're in an environment that something bad is going on, sometimes you could just feel it. And the I energy was to bad. Feel, yeah, the energy was bad. Mm-hmm. And I saw them looking at me and whatnot. So I picked up my bag and I was making my way to the counter. And I heard one of them say to me, well, to her friend, but loud enough, clearly intending for me to hear, that light skin bitch thinks she's all of that. Well, we're going to take care of that for her. And I looked at my girlfriend and I said, "Um, Delia, you you think they're talking about me? And she said, well, you're the only light-skinned girl in here right now. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Let's just get our food and get out of here. Because at that point, I just thought that it was talk. I didn't think it was going to turn into anything. I thought that they got one off and that was it. Keep it moving. But it kept going. Mm -hmm. Then I was... Casper the ghost. That's the first time that I heard you piss colored bitch. Mm. Um, the list goes on. Right. But that's unimportant. So it turned into a huge thing. Now, everybody in McDonald's is watching and there are people that are, you know, spectators that are saying things back to them. And I really didn't know how. I wanted to handle the situation. Right. So I said, you know what, Dahlia, let's just leave. By that time, McDonald's security came out Mm -hmm. and they told us all that we had to leave. Mm -hmm. And a group of people inside McDonald's said, you know, it's not fair. Don't kick her and her friend out. This group of girls attack them. Right. Let them stay. It's dangerous if they go outside.
0: So McDonald's kicked all y'all out. McDonald's kicked all of us we out. We could assume McDonald's back then, but go ahead.
1: Is that where your mind
0: always goes? I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, but you think about it. They put you into danger. We could have made some bread off McDonald's back awesome. then. Awesome. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Awesome. Sorry, sorry.
1: So anyway, um, so we go outside. Mm-hmm. Now we're out there and the words stir up again. So now there's all of these like racial epithets being at me and um i'm trying to defend myself and i'm looking around thinking i know that if we walk away they're just going to follow us because that was the type of situation it was they just weren't letting up and finally the police came because you know jamaica avenue is kind of crawling with cops a lot of cops a lot of cops out there so the cops finally came and they told us that we had to go our separate ways so i was like thank god we're out of this situation we crossed the street, and Delia decided to wait with me until I got into my dollar van. So, people, a dollar van, because <laughs> I think this might have been the second time that I mentioned it. A dollar van is a form of transportation in like more urban areas, like in Brooklyn and Queens. That it pretty much follows the same route as the as bus. the bus, but
0: it's a little cheaper and it's it comes a little quicker. So, if the if the bus comes every fifteen minutes, the dollar van's every seven minutes.
1: Right, and instead of a dollar fifty, which it might have been at the time it's a dollar instead so it's mm-hmm. a quicker cheaper way of traveling mm-hmm. so anyway she stood there with me waiting um for my, my van to come mm-hmm. so while we were waiting I looked up the block and I saw the same group of five girls and there was two guys with them actually I saw the same group of people coming up the street right and I said to Dahlia, like dude this isn't going to be good like this isn't going to be good So they approached us. Now, the cops are already gone. There's a lot of people out there, though, and the same thing happens. They start yelling and screaming, calling me names, trying to invoke an argument. Right. And we were engaged for a matter of minutes. And at one point... I look at one of the girls who seemed to be like the ringleader, you know, she was the biggest, well, not the biggest in size, but the biggest and the baddest as far as her personality and the things that she was saying. And I noticed her pat her pocket and then she slipped her hand in her pocket and it just looked strange to me. So now I pipe down, I'm not saying anything, I'm not trying to defend myself, I'm just watching her. Then I see her pull her hand out of her pocket, but I don't see what's in her hand. And now she's not really saying anything. So about maybe ten seconds passed and she lunged at us and she grabbed Dahlia by her hair. Mm-hmm. And Dahlia's about maybe, I don't know, five nine, right? She grabs Dahlia by her hair and then pulls her mm. to the floor. As Dahlia's falling to the floor, her hand raises and I see the blade in her hand. And she accidentally, well, not accidentally, but actually, no, it was that she accidentally cut the back of Dahlia's hand as Dahlia was falling. Right. And as soon as I saw that blade, I grabbed her and I threw her to the floor. Next thing you know, the whole group piled on top of me. Right. So I was getting jumped. Now, Dahlia tried to help, but she's one person. So there's only so much she could do. She couldn't pull every single girl Mm -hmm. off of me, but she was trying. But she's on the outside of this circle, And right. I'm at the bottom of the pile. So I was getting kicked in the face, stomped in the face, punched and everything. But ironically, I didn't feel anything. Mm. I guess your adrenaline is pumping so much that it numbs your body almost. Right. I knew that I was getting punched. I knew I was getting stomped. I could feel the pressure of it. I knew what was happening, but I didn't feel the pain. Right. Thank God. So, every time that I would open my eyes, I saw this girl's hand just kind of swinging haphazardly, just wildly, you know? But it didn't make sense of what was going on. I was pretty much just trying... Booger. I was just trying to pretty much block my face and guard my right. face and whatnot. And this then, I can't hear this part, man. Go ahead. All of a sudden, I heard somebody in the crowd say, oh, my God, I see blood. Mm-hmm. And it made a small impression on me. I was just thinking, what? But the fight didn't end at that point. But then people started trying to pull us apart. So one of the dollar van drivers grabbed her and one of her friends grabbed me. So now we're being pulled apart. The rest of her friends started to run. She broke free from the dollar van driver and ran up to me and I thought she punched me in the face Mm -hmm. she dropped the razor blade at that point which I didn't see but that's when she dropped the razor blade and then she took off so I turned around and looked at Dahlia and I was just like oh my god we made it through this alive like whoa you know and I'll never forget she looked at me and said Oh my God, can you get your face? And she fell to the floor hysterical. And I was like, what? And then I looked down and I saw the leather jacket that I told you that I used to borrow from my brother. Right. I was wearing that jacket. I looked down and it was covered in blood and all slashed up. I looked at my uniform skirt, covered in blood, all slashed up. Mm -hmm. I looked at the floor beneath me, blood on the floor. Mm. I took my left hand and I touched my face
0: Nothing blood. and I
1: pulled it away and it was covered in blood. Now, at the time, slashing was an epidemic.
0: Right. It was very big.
1: It was very big. It was happening. Kids were carrying razor blades to school. And right. do you remember people would take razor blades and slide them in between their teeth and their cheek. This way they would have easy access. They learned how to talk with it. They learned how to eat with it in their mouth and everything. Mm-hmm. And then if there was a confrontation, some people could just spit it out, catch it in between their fingers and slash somebody. I remember. People would practice that. I remember that. And I remember watching talk shows like um, Montel Williams or mm-hmm. Geraldo or whatever and seeing them covering stories on girls that have been attacked with a razor blade. Absolutely, It was something that was happening. And... The crazy thing is about maybe two or three weeks before it happened, Delia was sleeping over my house and we woke up in the morning and my mom came and got us out of bed and said, you know what? I just want to tell you, Gia, this is something that's happening out there. I want you to be very careful when you're out in the street. Right. Because, you know, with things that, that have happened to you in the past and whatnot. I just want you to be very careful and mindful of your environment because I don't want someone to cut your face. Right. And when it happened, um, I felt as though I was in the twilight zone mm. because I heard my mother. So when I realized, when I saw that blood on my on my hands, I thought I was dreaming. Right. And my mind went back to what my mother said. And I literally, never done this in my life before, but I pinched myself because I said, oh, this has to be a dream. Mm. And I felt the pain from the pinch, and then I looked again. I saw Dahlia on the floor crying, and I said, "Wow, this isn't a dream." And then everything went blurry, like my vision went blurry. I started looking around. It's like everything happened in slow motion. Right. So then a cop came and he got me, and he put me in the back of his cop car. He started crying. Mm. He reached up and he pulled the rearview mirror off of the windshield, mm. and Threw it on the passenger floor. And I asked him why he did that. He said, you can't see her face right now. I just don't want you to go into a state of shock. And I'm thinking, well, how bad can it be? Because Mm. when I had imagined it, when I would hear stories about it, you think it's a razor blade and you think that it's thin. So you think if someone gets sliced, it's just a thin little slit.
0: Opened your face right up. No. My entire
1: face opened wide up. Mm. And it was so deep that it almost went through my entire cheek where you know, I would have been able to poke through it with my tongue. Like it was that deep and it came within like centimeters of cutting like my salivary gland and whatnot. And it's crazy because I still have the pain from it in my cheekbone. Like right now my cheekbone is still sensitive. But anyway, the police took off after the crowd that was running. People started running after it happened and people that had nothing to do with it were running. People that that were just watching, like you it was like a stamp like people were just running and they should have all got arrested. One if you stood woman, there and you
0: watched that, you should have got arrested.
1: Well, there was one woman that watched it and she um, kept giving me Kleenex and it just started to snow cuz like I said it was a day before Thanksgiving, so it was freezing out there. Mm. And I slid down. There was like a fence. I leaned up against it. I slid down the fence. And I was just sitting on the floor before I got put in the um, the police car and the woman just kept handing me Kleenex. Hmm. So it was like a whole mound of like bloody Kleenex next to me and then the cop put me in the car. So anyway, cops that took off after the people that were running, they were just plucking people that were running. They didn't know if they had something to do with it or not. Right. And they were bringing person after person back to me. Did this person have anything to do with it? Did this person have anything to do with it? And... Out of all the people that they brought back, one of them was the girl that cut me. The other four got away, but God had it so that one of those officers plucked her and brought her back to me. And I said, that's the girl that cut my face. Mm. So they took her to the police station and then they took me to um, to the hospital. And I was sitting there wondering like, what's the next step? Because obviously I had to get stitches. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be so painful. Because right. now the pain is setting in. The adrenaline adrenaline wore off and now the pain is setting in. And they put me in the room and they explained the procedure to me. They told me that I was going to have to have anesthesia administered to the wound. And I'm like, well, what does that entail? Are you going to put like a mask over my face? Like, I had no idea what right. it meant. And they told me that they would have to take a needle and inject it into the wound itself several times and i was just like i don't think i can go through that and they said it was the only way Uh. i said well if i'm gonna have to endure that pain can't you just stitch it without any anesthesia because that sounds worse because you're thinking i was thinking that you know stitching just the wound the skin is different than actually going into the wound and they said they couldn't Mm. i said okay so I said, well, I need to see it. They told me no. I waited for them to leave. I waited about maybe five minutes and I took off down the hall looking for a bathroom because I said, I'm not going to let them touch my face until I see what it looks like first. I made it to a bathroom. I flicked on the lights and I saw it. Mm. I almost passed out. Mm. It was that horrible. And um, I cried. But I think that was the first and the only time that I ever cried over the incident. I was done crying. I said to myself, all right, suck it up, get back in there and get stitched up. Walked back down the hall and we used to carry, well, I used to carry a camera in my book bag every day to school. I don't know if you remember it. I would take pictures of my friends, take pictures of this, you know? And I said to Delia, I said, you know what? Take a picture of my face. And she said, for what? Why would we do that? I said, I don't know. But just take a picture of it. It, it can't hurt. Just take a picture of it. Right. She took that picture. They came in. Her mother got there by that time. They couldn't reach my mother. She was on the way home. And they gave me the anesthesia. It was horrible. And they stitched me up. Mm-hmm. Um, by that time, my mother got there. And my mother, who was never demonstrative, my mother loved me more than life itself, but she was never the type to give me hugs and kisses and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Still
0: not like that She's
1: still not like that. Right. But I know that she loves me more than the blood that runs through her veins. Absolutely. You know? Mm -hmm. She walked in. She looked at me. She didn't come over to me and say, Kia, how are you? Oh, my God. Were you so scared or anything? She just said where's the girl that did that to your face? And I told her that they took her to central booking. She turned around and walked out. Mm. No hug, no kiss. I love my mother. Um, She turned around and walked out and she went to central booking and saw the girl. And I don't even want to talk about what went on at central booking, but anyway, um, that was how the day ended you know, I went home mm-hmm. and um, I was trying to get in contact with you the whole time. But you were at Cablevision. That's where you were working at the time. Um, you were at Cablevision. And by the time I got in contact with you, you came to the house and you were a mess.
0: You know? Yeah, I mean, you, you, your face was to the side. I mean, I remember trying to kiss you and your lip was crazy. Your lip was to the left. It was it was. You know it was something that i I, I don't know I, I couldn't take as a father, you know, so I could barely take it as a boyfriend and we at, at that time we mm-hmm. only knew each other for how long a month two months two months
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um you know I, I it replays all the time in my mind every time our daughter goes out every time you know this happened to our daughter because you know and, and people say this all the time but if if that happened to my daughter Revenge would be the only thing that makes me feel better.
1: Well, that's how my family felt.
0: I no, no, I remember. Yeah, and like, I, I you know, I, I can't like even to this day, like I still feel vengeful. Well, fast forward a little bit. Hmm. What happened to the girl?
1: Well, when it happened, I was I was fifteen, and she was seventeen. Mm-hmm. By the time that it went to trial, she was seventeen, and I mean, I was seventeen, and she was nineteen. Um the trial took weeks and I even remember the district attorney's name at the time um, district attorney Hennigman Mm -hmm. and um, we went to trial and she denied having anything to do with it Mm -hmm. she said that it was her friends that did it and she didn't even partake in the fight Mm -hmm. she said that she was holding the coats so she was the designated coat holder on the side while her friends jumped me Um, she was pregnant at the time of the trial and Long story short, she was found guilty, and it was probably, it was one of the first times that someone had been sentenced to hard time for slashing, you know, not, you know, any any other crime attached to it, just... She got a eight, slashing. Eight years. Well, right? she was actually sentenced to five to fifteen. Mm. I think she served maybe eight years of she, that and sentence. And her baby was born in jail. And her baby was born in jail. Good for her. Um, And then at the time, what about
0: the other girls? I never know. Did
1: the other girls? We had it. It took a minute to um to find all of them, but mm. I was adamant about finding all of them. So we had to do a couple of stakeouts. I had to look through, um. Uh, yearbooks and whatnot. I had to go through a lot of different identification processes. Actually, I'm glad you even mentioned that. So we found just about all of them. There was two more that, so we found two and there was two more left. And I went to the police station on a school day. They asked me to meet them at the station on a school day. And they told me that we were going to go back to jamaica avenue at around the same time because maybe that mcdonald's was their hangout i was there you were you were oh that's right you mm-hmm. were there you know what i forgot that you were there okay mm. so then you remember we walked down jamaica avenue and the detectives were behind us about maybe 15 feet
0: mm-hmm.
1: walked into the mcdonald's and so ironically
0: they were in there. They were there, and they said something smart.
1: And I walked up to them, not, you know, not on top. You don't of remember them. I started getting into the argument. With wait, them. wait, I remember oh, now. Okay. now. I remember because I, I'm. We're just now, you know, reviving these memories. So I was probably about like what, maybe five feet away from them, and I just wanted to get a very good look to make sure that it was them. And at that point, the detectives walked in behind us, but they kind of kept a little bit of their, dip, their um their distance, and. One of the girls, and I remember her name, but I won't say her name. She looked up at me and said, oh my God, look at you. Look at your face. Don't you look beautiful? Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't think you're going to be saying that in about mm, 15 seconds. And then she looked at me really confused and I signaled for them to come over. And then they came over and arrested them. Mm -hmm. They wound up getting probation. So they had, um, I think it was five years probation, um, the remaining four. And I was very happy with that. I was very happy with the justice that was served um, in that situation. They
0: should have got time. Anyway, but, oh my goodness, I hate that story. Now, how this all started, I I wanted to know for somebody out there that's listening that maybe has children or maybe somebody that's young that's listening because, you know, we have a a lot of young listeners as well. How did you get over the fact that you had these two huge scars on your face? It's not like they were small and minute. Like, they, I mean, you had their lines. They're about, what, six inches each? One's six inches, one's four inches, I would say.
1: No. Mm-mm. One is about maybe, it, initially, it was about six inches, and the other one's about two inches. Two inches. So, yeah.
0: how, how do you tell somebody who, has been dealing with insecurities because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there maybe because of their weight, maybe because of a scar themselves, maybe because of something that they just don't like, don't love their self. So how did you continue on? Because as long as I've known you Mm -hmm. after this incident, you never had a freaking problem. It's not like you ever looked at this as, well, I can't do this because it is. It's not like you ever hit it. Like I'm going to wear my hair over it. It's always been like, okay, it's happened. We've never even discussed it or even had a conversation about it to say, this is how I feel, it's always been like, this is life, it's happening, let's move on. How do you tell somebody or how do you maneuver like that?
1: Well, you know, first let me point out that when my scar initially healed, it wasn't as refined as it is right now. right? When it originally healed, there was a slight keloid. Uh-huh. Um, so it was slightly raised. Um for those of you that don't know, a keloid is the overhealing of your skin. So, it goes past where it should typically stop healing and it overheals and then it results in there being some type of lump or a bump where your skin just isn't smooth. And mine had um, that slight characteristic. And when it happened, it was such a big deal as far as like the media was concerned that all the talk shows were reaching out to me. So I heard from Montel Williams and I heard from Geraldo and I heard from Sally Jesse Raphael at the time and I decided to go on Geraldo's and he had a plastic surgeon a doctor on the um on the show that was willing to donate his services to me at no cost to basically refine my scars. So that process was just a matter of them putting me out and taking a laser and removing the scar, excising the scars and restitching them the way that they should have been stitched right. initially because I got a hack job mm-hmm. at the hospital. The hospital that I went to wasn't a good hospital, and the job that was done on my face was a horrible job. It was Jamaica Hospital, right? No, it was Mary Immaculate. Oh, Mary Immaculate, okay. In that part of Queens. And it was just a terrible job that was done, and it healed poorly. Right. So had it been stitched properly, it would have healed nicely, and I wouldn't have had to have had the scar revised. But they just cut it up and re-stitched it the way it was supposed to be stitched initially, and... It healed so much nicer, which is why it was a great idea to take the picture in that emergency room that day. Because by the time that I went to trial, it was two years later. And if you were sitting on that jury looking at my face, you would have no idea what I went through that day. Mm. Because it didn't reflect the damage that was done that day. The intention of her actions wasn't reflected by the way that my face looked. That picture. So... I told the um, the district attorney that I had a picture done and she blew it up to an 8x10 and she passed it around the jury. And I kid you not, and I don't know if any of those jurors might be listening right now, but there wasn't a dry eye in that mm. jury box. Every last one of those jurors were in tears mm. when they saw that picture. Yeah, so getting I'm in
0: tears now, thinking about it.
1: So I just wanted to point that out because sometimes people will look at me and not be able to tell without you know paying specific attention to my face that the scars are even there. You know, so anyway, how do I deal with it? And why didn't I react the way that you said you might have? Listen, people go through all types of things in this life. And I truly believe that everything that you go through, particularly the bad things, they give you wisdom. Right. If you deal with things from a positive perspective, you don't dwell in the bad things that happen to you. You look at it, Well, at least I look at it, as, well, what have I learned from that? Because before I was attacked... I was vain like most little girls. You know, you're into your clothes, you're Mm -hmm. into your hair and, you know, you just start getting into makeup and, you know, things like that. And those things were somewhat important to me. My appearance was important to me, but that happened and you realize anything can happen and take those things away from you in an instance. While I'm still interested in how I carry myself and my appearance, I don't care about my physical beauty. I don't care about how people perceive the way that I look because you know what this is how God made me and anything that alters my appearance along the way whether it be that whether it be age whether you know it be anything else that I might go through that's what God wants Mm -hmm. and that's how God wants me to look and if you don't like it that's your problem that's not my problem. My parents raised me with a certain level of confidence and self-esteem. And I kind of wore the scars more as a badge. I don't know if you remember, my school found out about it and they called me and they said, you know what? You can take as many weeks off of school as you need. We'll get the work to you. You'll make it up. Don't worry. It's not an issue. That happened on Thursday and we were off that Friday. Then came the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. I was back in school on Monday with that big, huge, gauze pad on my face. Mm -hmm. And I had to do that for myself to let myself know that I was stronger than what had happened to me. Mm -hmm. I was stronger than that. I wasn't going to let it beat me. I wasn't going to let it depress me. I wasn't going to let that girl win. Because that's what that girl wanted for me. Right. You know, she wanted to disfigure me. She wanted to, quote unquote, make me ugly. And I wasn't going to let that happen. And I also had to be strong for everybody in my house because my father, my brother, my half-brother, they were all hell-bent on revenge. What are we going to do? One of my brothers went and found out where she lived, and I overheard a conversation about what his intentions were. And if they saw me broke down and my self-esteem affected as a result of it, it would have fueled their fire even more. Right. My mother, and you know, I've always been my mother's pride and joy. You know, if I let my mother see me hurt and damaged as a result of it, mm-hmm. my mother wouldn't have been able to take it. I had to go back every day, mom, I'm fine, everything is fine, don't worry, it's gonna heal, mom, don't worry, she's going to be put away. She's going to pay for what she did. Don't worry, mom. I'm okay. I'm not affected. Look, I'm doing this. Look, I'm going here. Look, do you see me upset? I really had to be a rock for my mom because I didn't want her to start breaking down as a result of it. And she talked about it probably every day for the next several months Mm -hmm. and still talks about it. My mother, everyone right now, she has dementia and she has a poor long-term memory and almost zero short-term memory. And that is one of maybe the two or three things that she remembers. She even remembers the name of the girl that did it to me. And she talks about it often. Even now, every time that she looks at me and she notices it, she'll mention it, not knowing that she mentioned it, you know, two days prior. Right. Um, so I really think that how you handle bad things, not just physical things in your life, but how you handle negative things that you've gone through in your life really depends a lot on your mindset and on your outlook.
0: Right. And, I, and, I, and the reason I wanted you to tell that story was because it's difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people always say, well, it's easy for you to say because you're not big. It's easy for you to say because you don't have that scar. But you're talking to somebody who actually been through it, went through it, lived it, and I want to say outlived it. I mean, it didn't bother you. It wasn't effective. You know, it it didn't hurt you. You know, you still lived your life. You still were able to have five beautiful kids and be happy and Mm -hmm. never let this hurt or bother you at all. Not even the day after, right. which I commend you about, you know, cause I I definitely don't think you I still I,
1: had Thanksgiving dinner right, and right. yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: so I, I definitely think that, you know, it would have been a lot different for me, but for anybody out there that's listening, if you have kids or, or you're going through something, just always remember that, that, you know, whatever happens in this life happens for a reason, you know, and you never Absolutely. give somebody, the power to make you feel mm-hmm. bad. You never give them the power to make you feel like they are inferior of you. You know, you always stay strong and you never let it bother you. You, you can't change things in life. your outlook. There you go. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've learned that from being married to you. <laughs> you know, I definitely did. I just want to say I, I appreciate you sharing that story. Thanks, man. I'm sorry if I wasn't close to the mic. I can't hear that story. I, I, people can't hear me crying. <laughs> alright well uh, can we switch gears cause I can't I can't talk about it that anymore
1: we should switch gears <laughs> alright yeah. well let's
0: get to the email of the week now the email if you wanna holler at us is the casey crew at gmail t-h-e-e Casey Crew at Gmail. I think I gave the wrong email last week. You did. I know. You did. Some poor lady uh, was hitting people back. And, and thank you, ma'am, whoever you are, for hitting people back. Tell them I gave them the wrong email address. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's the Casey Crew at Gmail. All right. Two E's. Now, this is from Tracy. Tracy says, okay, guys, what do you think of having your man be all in his phone all the time? <laughs> My boyfriend is always in his phone like it's all that exists. Uh-huh. He's talk- is he talking to somebody else? Am I boring him? Should I keep telling him to get off his phone and pay attention to me? Not sure how to handle it, but it really is starting to annoy me.
1: Mm-hmm. Let
0: me know what you guys think I should do. Thank you, Tracy. What do you think, babe? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the thing. It depends when he's on the phone. I mean, because it could be a lot of things going on. It could be a football game and he wants to know the football score. So he could be into his phone for that. Uh. Or it could be, you know, it could be maybe something interesting is happening on Twitter or Instagram. It depends how often they go out. You know, me and you, sometimes we're on the phone a lot. Yeah. Um, But it's kind of a connection that we're on the phone. I know that you're on your Instagram. You know that I'm on my Instagram. Right. I know what you're looking at. You know what I'm looking at. Right. It could be the fact that I'm Googling cars. And you're like, I know this idiot is Googling cars right now while we're at dinner. And I'm going to let them live. Mm-hmm. And at the same case, you might be Googling, I don't know, shoes. but More than likely. I'm letting you live. <laughs> but if they just, I don't know how long they've been going out. But if they just started going out, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I feel. I feel like, you know, if we're going out to eat or we're watching television or we're having a conversation, my concentration should be into the lady, my woman. Right. You know, I should be trying to get to know her as much as possible. Uh, And sometimes it might take, you know what? Leave your phone in the car if we go into dinner.
1: Yeah. The problem with the phone, the smartphone now, is that the phone does everything except hop off the table and cook you dinner. Do you know what I mean? Right. So my calendar is in my phone. My alarm is in my phone. My camera, my Instagram, my emails, my Google search, my laptop, everything is in the phones so it doesn't matter where you are people are constantly with their with their heads buried in their phones right. because it's responsible for so much so a lot of that is reasonable you know and i know that's why i'm on mine so often um and it does the thing that it was meant to do like you communicate, you text, you know, you make your phone calls and receive phone calls with your phone. So it's very useful. So I understand that, but it just has to be utilized at the right times. You know, you can't, just like you said, you can't be at dinner and we've been guilty of that. Right. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Vegas and we went out to eat with two of our friends, two other males. And the four of us are sitting there and I look up, and we're in a beautiful restaurant and it was an interesting weekend. So many things to talk about. And all four of us had our heads buried in our phones. And I tapped the table and I'm like, people, like, what are we doing? Do you remember this? Remember. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like, I think that we're all interesting company, but our heads are buried in our phones instead. We really, we, we need to do something about you know, the that. The bad
0: thing with the phone is, you know, people say sometimes you got to disconnect from social media and disconnect from so true. The, from the outside world and just really experience what's going on now. Absolutely. But it's so difficult because I want to know what's going on with the beef. Like, a couple weeks ago, <laughs> this rapper was going at this rapper. This nude pic was released. This one is beefing. This one just got a divorce. This one just had a baby putting on Snapchat. I want to see all of it. I'm so interested in all it, right. though. Right,
1: and that's because that's how society is now. We are so present. We are with the news. As soon as the news drops, everybody, it, it's released. Whoosh. Right. Everybody <laughs> knows everything. If this one cheated on that one or if this one got hit by a bus... The best friend put it on their Instagram. The picture of... Homie laying in the street, bloody is on Instagram, and I want to see it before you. So when you and say I want to see it bed, before you. you, see it, I'm like, oh yeah, I seen, it. I see so that's gonna there. come before my friggin' soup, my salad, and everything else. And that's the way that society is living now. But that's a problem.
0: It Th- is that's a, problem. a problem. People are not connected anymore. Because now you're not connected. But, but now I think right. that's why you really have to. Uh, uh, Tracy is her name. Tracy, you really got to tell your man, tell him that you have a problem with it, and tell him that you don't want to go to the restaurant. Without, with, with the phones. You got to leave the phones in the car. And if he says it's a problem, next time he wants to get in your panties, you, as soon as he starts going there, you pick up the phone and start reading your phone. It's going to make him feel away. Could you imagine <laughs> dude starting to go down or dude starting to have sex with his girl and she picks up her phone and starts looking at her phone? He'll be like, what?
1: I mean, she would make her point that way. Right, I'm but sure. that's what
0: you got to do because it's disrespectful. If you want to get in my panties and you want to get in my, my thong, you got to put your phone away.
1: What is wrong with you? Well, maybe not my (laughs) panties and my
0: thong, but her panties and her thong. You got to put the phone away.
1: Uh, No, I agree. I agree. People just need to connect. And just like Rashawn said, you need to tell him that you have an issue with it and explain why and then just come to a certain set of terms come to an agreement where you both decide we're going to leave the phone out of (laughs) what are you laughing
0: at funny story guys.
1: we're going to leave the phone out of certain situations we are going to leave it in the car or we're not going to bring it into our bedroom you know between certain hours you should you know pretty much set aside times where the two of you communicate and it's just the two of you
0: what? Now, the reason I'm laughing. You are throwing me like what are you doing? Reason I'm laughing before we get to the argument of the week, right? I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago. Maybe 2 years ago. We were we were having sex. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that one time 2 years ago that we were having sex. What are you Let me explain? It? Let me
0: explain about? It. God, let me talk. Uh-huh. I, it was back shots. Right? oh my seriously Rashawn listen I'm, no, I, I gotta explain never. the story Ser- no, and I pulled, out, I pulled out I pulled that remember I pulled out my camera right and the light on my camera came on and you stopped right it was like you're answering a text right now do you remember and I started I was like no I just wanted to take a picture do you remember <gasps> and you were so mad because you thought I was answering a text in the middle of us having sex you remember? You was like, I can't believe it. that you answer the text. This is taking transparency to another <laughs> level. <laughs> Did you remember? <laughs> no, no, I was, I was like, like, dude, like, seriously, though? No. Sorry, I just thought that was funny. So, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, let's get to the argument of the week, all right? <laughs> now, the argument of the week. Uh, what, I wanted to pick, Dude, I can't concentrate right now. All right, listen. So, the argument of the week, right? <laughs> now, a couple of uh, weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, I can't even remember what it was. I got into an incident when I was uh, leaving a club heading to work. Uh, Somebody tried to carjack me. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. They didn't pull it off. They shot at the car like three times, why don't you tell the story? Uh, I was leaving a club. Somebody pulled up behind me uh, with a police light. Uh, The police light, uh, I realized it wasn't, didn't feel right. Something wasn't right about that police light. I don't know what it was that night.
1: It was that vibe. It was that energy. It was a
0: vibe. It was a feeling. It was that bad energy. I didn't pull over. I was like, I'm going to wait till there's some lights and, and pull over. Uh, they ran into the back of the car. Boom. Now I'm by myself. At that point, I was like 95, 96% sure it wasn't a cop, but I wasn't 100% positive. And the reason I wasn't is, you know, sometimes you watch those police shows yes. and the police ram the guy off the yes. road. I was like, maybe they're trying to run me off the road. I couldn't Because he out. won't
1: pull over. Right. So yeah, that's reasonable.
0: So I, I kept it moving. He hits me again. Boom. At that point, I'm like, oh, this ain't a cop. So I take off. Boom. They take off behind me. We're on the highway. Um, I get off an of exit. Once I'm getting off the exit, it's kind of like an easy pass. So for everybody that does live in the tri-state area, an easy pass is kind of an easy way to get through the pass. It's like a little sticker placket on your car. You drive through it, it registers it, and it sends you a bill later. So I go through the easy pass. They follow through the easy pass. They pull up on the side of me. I press the brakes hard. On the highway. On the highway. Mm-hmm. They pull up in front of me. They hop out the car, black mask, black hoodie, black jeans, black boots, pistol, start shooting at me. By that by that time already, I already put the car in reverse, and now I'm backing up down the highway the wrong way. Right. And they're shooting at me. <clears throat> I don't know how. Well, I know how. Thank God I was able to back down the highway enough, get off the, the next exit and take off. When I pulled, all, when I pulled over, had uh, three bullet holes in the car, one in the tire. Um, long story short, I was alive. I was just happy to be alive. Thank God. Drove the car home. Police came and everything. The police were arguing about jurisdiction. About oh, is it is it this precinct that have it, or is it the state police that has it? Because it was it happened a car at, chase, right. so it
1: happened. Through different jurisdictions. Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so they wanted me to go to the police station. So I said, okay, I'll follow you to the police station. But I was like, I got to get to work. <laughs> so I drove home. Just like I you. woke you up. And I said, baby, look at the police, the, the, bu- the, ho- the bullet holes. You were like, what? You were like, you don't have to go to work every day. I was like. I
1: said, I think that, you know, the higher ups at the station will understand, you know, an attempted murder and you maybe not making it to work today. And what did You're I like, tell you? You were like Dude I live in
0: color Sorry Gotta go to work <laughs> so I gotta go So I I, I left the car Gotta call go to work in a, in a garage Hopped in another car and Went to work um, Thank God I'm alive the, the people that actually Did the shooting And, and attempted carjacking Was caught Right Um, But the reason I said We had the argument Of the week was You said Maybe I shouldn't be DJing These type of venues Right In these type of areas Right And you said that because of what?
1: Well, I understand that DJing in these particular areas is a large part of your element. Mm -hmm. I understand that a lot of the people that come out and support you live in these particular areas, but oftentimes they're high crime areas and it truly makes me worry for your life every time that you walk out the door to perform in one of those areas. And, I mean, neither of us are any strangers to these areas. This is where we grew up. Right. I grew up in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. You grew up in Queens Village, Queens. So, the like, this is our element. Right. This is what we're used to, which gives me... They're not like, this is what I know. This is what I know. You go out in the street and not for nothing, you look like fresh meat, you know? You'll be in one of these areas with, you know, an iced out gold chain and an expensive watch and driving an expensive car. And sometimes I feel as though you you do have security, but I feel as though you have a false sense of security, you know, and it's because... Your life hasn't been threatened in the past 10 years up until now. Because I don't know if you've ever talked about it on the radio or if people know, but this isn't the first time that someone tried to rob you. This isn't the first time that you've been shot at. You were shot at 10 years ago and the same thing. Thank God none of those bullets came in contact with your body. And that was just God walking you through it. But I think he was trying to teach you a lesson then. And sometimes, you know, God has to bring you down to your knees just so you look up at him and acknowledge what it is that he's trying to show you. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you acknowledged it then. And here's another opportunity for you to acknowledge it. You move well, you have security and you have a team and the way you get in and out of venues is very safe and it's very secure. But I think that it needs to be taken a step further. And I think that you don't always have to put yourself in a position where you have to be so secured up. I don't think that you need to be at every one of these events if it's not the smartest thing for you to do if it can potentially put your life in jeopardy.
0: Right. No, I get that. And I I understand what you're saying, but I look at it a little different. I look at it like as a kid growing up, being able to see my favorite rapper, my favorite athlete, my favorite DJ in my hood meant everything to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it gave me, it motivated me.
1: Yep. I remember Clue.
0: Yeah. Like if (laughs) I didn't see... You know, and this is a true story. You know, the reason I started DJing was because I seen Clue at the time. I was at the bus stop uh, waiting for my bus. And Clue lived across the street from him. Clue lived across the street from me. Directly
1: across the street.
0: And I knew Clue all my life. I didn't know he was a DJ. And he pulled up in a nice car. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when he pulled up in a nice car, I thought he was selling drugs.
1: (laughs) Yep, I remember.
0: And I asked him what he was doing and he told me DJing. So at that time, I mean, I was one of those kids, I I would have to say that, I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? That somebody could have a strong inflection on me. Meaning if, if they were a drug dealer and they were getting money, I would want to be a drug dealer and get money. You
1: mm-hmm. know
0: what I mean? So if clue would have said that day I was a drug dealer, I might've wanted to sell drugs that day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cause I wanted the car. I wanted the jewelry. I wanted the sneakers, but because he did something positive being a DJ that had a, a, a strong inflection influence that's what I was looking for a strong influence I was like, what's an inflection <laughs> a strong <laughs> a strong influence on my life right so when I go to these areas I look at some of these people in the hood and I'm saying I can influence them in a positive way you know mm-hmm. where they feel like look I ain't gotta sell drugs look at envy Envy's doing well. He got his high school diploma. He got his college degree. That guy works hard. Every time I look at him, he's always working. He has a, a beautiful wife. He has five kids. That's a positive influence because a lot of times in our neighborhoods, we don't see positivity like that. We see the drug dealers. We see the Jack boys. We see the stick up kids. So that's why I go to those areas in those vehicles and that jewelry. Now, another thing is, is you talk about the clubs. The bad part about our community, and when I say our community, that's the urban community, we don't have nice clubs in nice areas. Like, you look at New York alone, there's really no clubs in New York City. It's everywhere else. It's Brooklyn, it's Bronx, it's Queens, it's parts of Jersey. Like, we don't have nice areas. They put us in areas like they want us to keep it in our own community. So I have to go into those communities To show back love. No, and I I have to say... And I don't DJ five nights a week in those. I might go once a week or twice a week. And I respect that about you. The amount of love that I get. I do. And nobody's going to make me scared to go to the places that I grew up at.
1: See, but this was another part of our... You're going to chase me out the hood. That's not going to happen,
0: and I'll be there every week. See,
1: but you know what's speaking through you right now? Pride. Yeah, you're right. And pride comes before the fall. You can't put your pride before your own self-preservation because, you know, there's a saying, dead men tell no tales. And if something were to happen to you, if they were successful You know, a few weeks ago or if they were successful 10 years ago, nobody would be saying, yeah, that dude, Envy, they couldn't scare him out the clubs. They couldn't scare him out these areas. Yeah, he was just, he was brave. That's something to look up to. No, that's not what they're going to say. They're going to be saying, you know, Envy was a good dude. Rashawn Casey was a good dude and he didn't deserve that. So how brave you are or the fact that, you know, you're beating your chest because you're a man and all of that. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. And, you know, people get caught up in their own ego and, you know, nah, this, nah, that. You know, and you find that's a characteristic of a lot of men. They're just so, there's so much testosterone mm-hmm. punch, um, pumping through them. And when we had that conversation, that's what I saw in you. I just saw testosterone and you proving your manhood. No, yeah. they're not, that, nope. That's not, that's not the effect they're going to have on me. I'm still going to those clubs. I'm still going to show love to my community. I'm still going to. And I understand that. I commend that. I respect that. What I'm saying is that you just have to be a little bit more choosy and not put yourself in the most dangerous of the dangerous situations. Do
0: you understand? No, I, I get what you're saying. But I also look at, you know, if, if I can change one kid's mentality, Of what they were going to do and say, damn, Envy's doing it the right way. Let me talk to Envy and have a conversation. Because when I'm out there, I'm I'm having conversations with these dudes. You know, I'm having conversations. I remember I was in Queens a couple of weeks ago. And I had to do a a, a show with Common. And we were just in the streets talking to people, trying to get people to vote. And this dude came up to me and was like, yo, I've never seen a Ferrari here. Mm -hmm. So I opened the door. I said, sit in it, man. He was like, really? I was like, yeah. I said, you going to own one one day he was like, well, how, how, how do you figure? I said, because you're going to work hard. You're going to get your high school diploma. You're going to get your college degree. And you're going to work your ass off and you're going to buy yourself one. And he was like, you know what, Envy? You're right. <laughs> now, I don't know if I changed him, but that conversation will it could probably be, a be stuck in his head forever. It could be a seed. That mm-hmm. damn Envy opened up his Ferrari. I sat in the Ferrari. That man works hard. I respect it. Right. And if I change that one kid's mentality, that is everything. I'm happier mm-hmm. than a pig in doodle, <laughs> you know, because that's what the goal is. The goal is, yeah, it, envy works hard Envy's successful. But it's not only being successful and working hard is how you can change the mentality of everybody else in the hood to make sure that they are successful and they are strong. Because if it wasn't for Clue, I don't know what I would have did. Well, I
1: like events like that that you do. I love when you give back to urban areas and you do the things around the holidays and you do the things through the summer and you appear, you show up and, you know, you, you talk to these people. I love when you go to the schools and you go to the colleges and you talk and you share your experiences and you influence. I
0: but that was on the street I adore wasn't no, that about you that wasn't you. no school that no was I know street. that.
1: well that was just in the street right. in the hood Right. you know and, and I love that From about South you side, yeah. but that would be one of those situations where you would have my approval yeah go ahead babe sometimes I might even say let me come with you I want to go with you absolutely but I'm just saying to go to you know the heart of the hood to DJ a club two three nights a week or you said one or two nights a week I think it's more like two three nights a week only two Okay. Most so time, let's just say two nights a week right. so we could be on the same page. Maybe you should go once.
0: Two out of seven ain't bad.
1: Well, I mean most people don't work seven days a week. I do. You work seven days a week. So I mean My baby's it's like nice things, so I gotta well, keep working. Well two is still a lot, you know. I just think that you need to reevaluate that. Well you know, we might have to have a few more discussions. If
0: you really want to help me, all right. Yeah. What you do is See, all those bags you got? Man, I don't even want to go this, no, one, no, this no, direction no. Really, with this conversation. If you really want to help, you get rid of some of them bags, you buy some pistols, you get your license, and then you be my protection. Oh, okay. And that's what you do.
1: All right. All right. Okay. Me me with a, a holster? The you holster, think that's sexy? Uh, some
0: six inch heels. <laughs> you can protect me, and then we can- I and then we can, go get me a holster. And then we can smash right Come after. Come on, Rashawn. All right. Come on. All right. Well, ah, well that was uh, episode two. Yes. Dos, uno, dos.
1: We need some sound effects. We need some music. We need some sound effects.
0: We gotta get to that, man. Right now, we're just starting off. We this gotta get there. Bare to that. bones. Yeah, this is bare. Bones. We're
1: giving our listeners a bare bones show.
0: Well, shout to everybody right for uh, listening to us again. We definitely appreciate it. You can always email us at the Casey Crew at Gmail. That's t h e e Casey Crew at gmail.com. Every week, we pick an email. We answer your questions. And uh, I, I think uh, we're gonna get some celebrity couples up here and talk to some celebrity couples.
1: Yeah, I've spoken to a few that actually want to come up here and do this with us. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah, we appreciate everything that you guys, you know, all your your, your, your tweets, your uh, the comments under the pictures, the comments under Makes the SoundCloud and iTunes. Mm-hmm. We definitely appreciate it, and uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, guys. All right. Well, I'm DJ MV.
1: I'm Gia Casey,
0: and we are the Casey Crew.